Somalis did not come into this country kind of accidentally. It was very much informed through state policies. And then they get taken up, they get taken up and further, you know, vilified and criminalized, even though their arrival was not of their choosing or of their of their desire of design. And so they came into the country in kind of three major waves, very tiny. And by tiny, I mean, like, in the tens of groups, um, you know, I, I don't have the article in front of me, so I'll forget. But anyway, they came in three major waves. The the second, most Somalis came into this country after 91, um, or so after 93, and they were settled primarily as refugees. Um, and they came here because of Canada's involvement in Somalia through uh, the Somalia affair. And a lot of people don't know, but the Somalia affair, it, it, it's still considered a fairly large military cover-up um, where two 16-year-old boys, um, one in particular, Shidane, um, were taken behind army barracks um, and beaten to death with a yellow pages. And this, this it's a very gruesome moment in Canadian history. And the reason it's so stark is because Canada had an image at the time of being a peacekeeping nation. And there's this saying all the time that Canada was betrayed by just a few unscrupulous men. You know, they, they say this over and over again. The men, by and large, um, who committed the act of murder were um, indigenous and racialized, but it was sanctioned by higher up white um, lieutenants and officers. So a lot happens. It, it, a lot happened. There's pages and pages and pages of documentation. I'm likely not articulating it all that well. I don't think anybody's done a really great analysis on the Somalia affair, but it goes away. The inquiry, by and large, gets kind of silenced and it disappears off the books. And at that point, you start to see that Canada opens its doors for Somalis. And the reason is uh, in great part because of this embarrassment, this shame and this embarrassment around Canada's involvement in the Somali territories in Somalia in the 90s. And then you start to see how Somalis become talked about and characterized through the media as they arrive. So they're described as people who, you know, eat with their hands and have multiple wives. Um, they don't, you know, deal well with strangers. They run into a number of different incidences where, you know, the police sick dogs on them. And all this is done while Canada is also saying, you know, we're welcoming refugees and we're welcoming people from all over the world to come to Canada, a safe haven. And then they're criminalized because of it. So as Somalis start to kind of react and respond back to the state legislation, they're further criminalized. So I think that piece was really done in a way to look at how the media and how legislation, policy legislation work together to create restrictions for communities. And then a law was passed where Somalis were unable to get um, access to getting an ID without a legal form of photo ID from Somalia, which was in the middle of a civil war. So there were no issuing authorities. Uh, and to my knowledge, only two groups were really impacted by that, by that law, the um, Afghanis and Somalis. And so a lot of Somali elders who have been in this country for over 30 years still don't have permanent residency or a citizenship. So what happens to a community when you restrict their ability to get key documents that they need to go to school, to get work, to get health care? Um, you prolong, you take a community and you put them in a state of limbo for a significant amount of time. There's going to be reverberating impacts and that shows up in the way that the community also feels 